Come down to T-Mobile, located at 2120 South, 700 East in Salt Lake City. Join the big show this afternoon. They'll be broadcasting live at Metro T-Mobile, 700 East, 2120 South. Metro T-Mobile with the big show today. DJ and PK, we've been asking you, and you have been all over social media with it. What, what's wrong with the Utah Jazz? Why have they lost five of the last seven? Why are they giving up 120 points in five of the last seven games? What happened to that elite defensive team? Well, let's talk about that now with the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bullerjack. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get an iPhone 11 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade-in now through December 5. Visit the Sprint store nearest to you. Today's December 5, so this is it today, people. All right, Buller, good morning. Hey, David James. Bowler, the best kind of broadcast. You're on a local broadcast, and the good guys are getting drilled. Uh, you can't have more fun than that. Oh, my. Well, it's been that way. We've had uh, the Jets have had a rough road trip and a rough trip back home against the Lakers last night. And, uh, you know, you asked for the magic cure. I wish I could uh, answer it. Um, I think I point to turnovers to start with. Uh, out of sync defensively, no help. Um you know, and it's it just is right now. I think a lack of confidence. There's doubt, and once there's a doubt in a team in a locker room, and that's something that hasn't happened uh, for quite a while with this team led by Donovan and Gobert, then you kind of just scratch your head. Uh, I'm sure the next two days, DJ, is a good time to step back, and I'm sure management uh, and players will have an opportunity to kind of digest what's been going on because you got to fix it, bottom line, right? Plug the hole. And um, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time. Teams do go through it. Hopefully, though, it's not a sign that this team can't recover out of it. Uh, we've seen them play good basketball, but right now that's not the case. So in this case, how much do you think time can solve some of the problems? You know, hey, PK, how are you, man? Forgot you were here in Cali. Yes, absolutely, but looking good. All right, you – Utah, Utah tomorrow night. Um, yep. You know, I, I don't know, DK. I, I, the Jazz haven't had much practice time uh, with the road trip as it was uh, over the last, you know, 10, 12 days. I, I, I don't know if it's time getting away from one another, taking a breath, uh, reset button, all the cliches you want to use. But I think it still does come down to some practice time. But also I think there's got to be some time together and discuss the issue or the issues, and whether that's Gobert and discussing health defense with teammates, whether that's understanding, uh, guys, why the ball seems to be out of the hands of those who are handling the ball, uh, and the turnovers just continue to pile up. And what, what really hurts about the turnovers, there's some turnovers that just happen, right? But these turnovers that are going on just seems to be sometimes unforced, but the defense has also put tremendous pressure on the Jazz ball handlers. And they've had the ball taken away just multiple times. It seems like it's a flood of two or three at a time. And then you turn and you can't get back on defense and you give up easy points. And the runs, the runs are something that have really staggered the Jazz. And it comes in waves. They're not like, you know, 10-4 runs. These are 17-2, to 24-4 type runs. And when you get in trouble like that, night after night, uh, you just can't recover. And that's, I think that's what's facing the Jazz right now. Absolutely. So as much as it's some of the stuff about the way they're playing in that, how much of it is that there's an elite level of team separating themselves in the league, and the Jazz just ran into a bunch of them, and the Jazz aren't on that level. They're on the next level, Pretty good teams, but not the super elite. And if you look at the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, uh, some people might say the Raptors or the Sixers. You could probably get a little argument on that. But they've seen all of those teams. How much mm-hmm. of it is they're going to play better in the next five games because they're going to see maybe one playoff team in the next five games? No, I, I think it's true. I think the Jazz did get buzzsawed by some of the best teams in the NBA. The Lakers, for example, played the second easiest schedule up until the point last night against the Jazz, and then I, they flip it, and now they're going to take on you know uh, the the ten 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 their next ten games 
including last night, are teams above 500. And the Lakers have had only two two games, I believe, with teams over 500 prior to that. So, you know, it does come in ways the way the schedule handles. And, yeah, the Jazz should be set up for some victories and maybe the confidence, you know, is reestablished. It's, it's a great point. But, look, Harpering said it last night, you know, try to name the top five players in the league. Obviously, Antetokounmpo is one. We saw them. Malcolm Brogdon isn't in that category, but he's a, he's a terrific young player and a, and a beast at, at the guard line. In the guard line, uh, the Jazz had a rally to beat Memphis. Uh, then you had to Toronto, where Pascal Siakam has taken over, you know, the face of the franchise after Kawhi left, and it's, just, it's a tremendous player. I mean, to see him really up close uh, and really focus on his play without uh, Kawhi tells you just how good he is. And then you go to the very physical and big lineup of the Philadelphia 76ers. And then you come back last night, and Harpering said it, I thought, pretty well. When you break it down, wouldn't you agree LeBron and AD are two of the top five best players in the NBA as we speak? And you put them on the same team, and the Jazz just have not been able to handle the pressure defensively, which, again, their defense, and that's, again, part of the issue that's forced those turnovers, and the Jazz have, uh, have, uh, have, paid, have paid sorely for it. So they say sometimes when guys are playing and not playing well, you know, maybe sit them down a little bit so they can see what's going on. Well, the injury with Conley, it's forcing that situation. It, can you see a way in maybe an indirect way this injury can benefit him because he has to sit out and watch? And so when he mm-hmm. comes back, he can maybe have a better understanding of where he fits in? I think that's a, it's another good point, PK. Probably one that uh, Coin Snyder hopes will be. Uh, part of the answer. I think also during an injury, as he said to me last night, it's also his opportunity, you know, for other players to say, hey, it's my turn. I'll step up and take this position, you know, like a Moutier, uh, Dante. Uh, that didn't really happen last night. Exum scored uh, all the two points last night and 13 minutes on the floor. Moutier uh, scored two points and all of 10 minutes on the floor. So no one really took, you know, took the reins and ran with it, which really is the opportunity that Quinn wanted somebody else to step up. But you know what he did instead? He, he shared the ball at the point with Joe and Donovan and tried to just, you know, try to survive. How long Conley's out? No guess at this point, day to day. And he'll have to make that decision, PK, whenever he's, you know, physically fit to come back on the floor. But right now it seems to me like they're going to try to survive with a Donovan Mitchell-Joe Ingles point guard combo, point forward, um, and a two-guard playing the point. So um, not an easy time. And Conley has struggled as well. So that, that also uh, kind of sets the alarm button as well. So uh, PK's probably getting tired of me saying it, but I come in jazz game after jazz game and say, man, the bench is just giving up huge runs every time. The game can be in pretty good shape, and it just seems like the bench comes in and all of a sudden they're looking at an 8- or 10-point deficit. And we've seen Quinn Snyder start to mess with the lineup a little bit. But the thing, PK, and I've hit on recently is how much should we be expecting out of the bench? There's four guys making $85 million bucks. If those guys aren't on the floor dominating, well, uh, it's not really surprising, is it? You're not paying these other guys. They're not the best players. You know, Donovan and maybe Royce O'Neal get production out of two guys who aren't making very much money. But uh, how much is of the bench issue is just the way the roster's been constructed and everyone's just going to have to learn to deal with it? Well, DJ, when you spend upwards of $60-plus million for Mike Conley, you know, the way the Jazz, you know, build their, their payroll, you really don't have a lot left. And there were players that didn't want to come here and get better. Moutier was one. Um, you know, we know that uh, Jeff Green has moved around this league quite a bit. I believe came in for just the veterans, you know, minimum uh, one-year type of deal. And Tony Bradley's a young guy trying to work his way into the into the rotation. I think Dante is the one player too where the money was spent on that extension of what three years, thirty-three, and you were rolling the dice hoping that he was going to be a part of the solution. But so far, as the Jazz said, coming back from the knee again. Uh, how much time does it take to really rotate yourself back in and really feel like you can play this game at a high level? And it's tough to do it in seven or eight minutes a night. I get that. But, you know, I I think all of that, you know, we're talking about multiple problems, uh, multiple concerns, which is a concern. It's just not one thing. Um, I will say this, 
on off offensively from what we saw on the road. I saw a lot of open, wide open shots, and we talked about this last year. Whether you know some some of the same team, obviously new faces, uh, but they're open shots that are missed. Um, the layup, the the floater, uh, it just seems like that seems to be. Uh, a, a shot that just has no legs to it whatsoever for Conley, for Donovan, and even for Joe Ingles. So there's things that are going to have to be reworked, rethought, and a, and a step back by the team and management to try to figure this out. And, you know, I wish I had all the answers, but those are just things you skim across and look at. And um, it really comes down to the players, right, to, to figure this out, with, with obviously Quinn's help in the front office, but they've got to work it out together. If you've got to go to a closed-door meeting and hash out some issues, so be it. Uh, if you got to get on the floor and hash them out, so be it. And I'm sure the Jazz, I know the Jazz, would obviously give them that opportunity to, to work out whatever those issues may be. But I think I think some practice time would help a lot. That's maybe the first step of all. I would be far more discouraged if there wasn't wins already in the bank or weren't wins in the bank over Philly and the Bucks. Now, I know Philly... Simmons came out. I think he only played like 10 minutes. I forget what the issue was, a cramp or something. But to me, right. you know, they've already got some wins that you can draw upon to know, all right, the talent and the ability is there. And this one here, this slump that they're in, losing, what, five out of six and getting smoked in most of the games, they would be far more discouraging if there wasn't already some positive things to point to. How much can they draw upon that saying, look, I mean, we've already proven that, you know, we can compete and compete fairly well. We just got to find a way to find that consistency. I thought they'd draw upon it last night against the Lakers and really see, you know, where they are. And look, I get it. You know, Matt Harpring tells you again, as a former player in Big T as well, guys I work with, and you've talked to them. I mean, they all say that the first game back from a road trip is like another road game. So um, that's that's a probably a fact. But also, you want to draw off the energy of of those of the crowd last night. But then I looked around the crowd last night, and half the crowd was Laker fans. And so when the Jazz fell behind and and that run, as we keep talking about, occurs, you almost lose your home court feel, right? Because it becomes more of a, of a Laker home crowd. Because, you know, look, people follow LeBron, people follow AD, and, uh, you know, you're not that far from Los Angeles here. And so a lot of people have, you know, gravitated to the Lakers here in Salt Lake City. I get that. They're a hell of a team. Um, but you just had no energy to draw off last night, DK. And, and uh, I thought maybe they would kind of regain some confidence because of what you just said, knowing, hey, look, we've competed, and we're back home. And, yeah, we had a rough road trip, but uh, just, you know, the first six minutes wasn't bad. But then the, ran, the run came, and then it was like, uh-oh, here we go again. And the avalanche, I think, of doubt, you know, hit the jazz once again. So... <laughs> So talking to uh, a couple of the Laker uh, media, guys who used to work here, uh, Bill Orm and Kyle Goon were in the game, and they were saying that what happened uh, last night what is just it's just how it is on the road now now that yeah. bill, bill was talking about how he left to go take this job and cover the lake well not the job he's at now it was a different job he's he switched jobs but stay on the lakers beat down there moving uh, from a paper to the athletic but he said that you know it's he's been there six years it was a perfectly just absolute wrong time to go cover the lakers he still has not covered a laker playoff game and he's in the seventh year six straight years in the lottery he's been there for all it's going to happen this year right right exactly but he said There've always been Laker fans on the road, but now it's off the charts. They're coming out of the woodwork because they know the team is good and they, and they sense something is coming. And Kyle said that even in New Orleans, which is, he says, you know, in Salt Lake, it's like you said, they're California transplants here, so you know there's going to be Laker fans. But he says in New Orleans, where they should have been mad about AD, he said there was a little booing. It could have been way worse. And then he said Laker chants started up, even in New Orleans. You know, it's... It's a national team. You don't have a team, and so you start pulling for a player you like, regardless right. of whether you've ever lived in the area or not. And LeBron's got right. fans who, you know, were Cav fans, were Heat fans, were Cav fans, and now they're Laker fans. So it's well, a weird thing. Well, look, LeBron's traveled the league, right? So he has multiple fans, East Coast, West Coast, and the Midwest. And, uh, look, the guy is uh, a phenomenal player, 46,000-plus minutes, you know, 17 years in the league. My God, my goodness. And I keep waiting for a slowdown, but he's a strong. You can't control him once he gets that first step and runs downhill. Forget it. It's a, it's a bull running right at you. And the guy is nimble. He can hit outside, inside, and plus leadership-wise. 
and now he has a compliment of, of Anthony Davis. Those two are good for 51 points a night, and that alone is, is, a, is a Herculean task to try to stop on a nightly basis, plus with confidence too, DJ. This team uh, has not lost since opening night on really their own floor. I mean, the Clippers and Lakers share Staples Center, but they lost there to the Clippers, and they haven't lost since, uh, so-called on the road, except for that that game at Staples Center uh, on opening night. That tells you a lot that they've come together. That's the other part of this equation. I really thought, and I fell into this, I thought Mike Conley would make the transition much quicker from Memphis to the Jazz running the point. I, I just don't think the comfort has, has really found him yet, uh, and that's that's disturbing. Uh, but look how quick Anthony Davis and, and LeBron have been able to, to mesh and blend with McGee and Danny Green and even Kyle Kuzma and Rondo. And Dwight Howard plays better than I expected as well. He seems to have found a nice niche for him with LeBron and the Lakers and just what they need from him, he, he, he can easily give that to, to, to the Lakers. Craig Bolajak, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. Bowler, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Take care. See you soon. Craig Bolajak on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham, stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz lose their third straight game. They're blown out by the Lakers, 121 to 96. Anthony Davis with 26 points. Donovan Mitchell with 29. Jazz are off until Saturday. They host the Grizzlies Saturday night, 8 o'clock. A little later start than normal on AT&T Sportsnet. College basketball. The Utes rally from a 16-point second-half deficit and beat BYU in overtime, 102-95. Timmy Allen leading the Utes with 27 points, 5 rebounds and 5 assists. Ryland Jones adds 25 points. Yoli Childs had 29 points before leaving the game in the second half. Jake Toulson had 25. Weaver State beats UVU 72-67. Jarek Harding with 36 points and the win in Orem. 25th-ranked Utah State opens Mountain West Conference play with a 71-59 win over San Jose State. NFL football tonight, Cowboys and Bears, the Thursday night game. You can listen to it right here on the Zone Sports Network. Top of the wire brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing to get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Ken Walken from uh, USA Today. I love Utah. I love what they've done. I think they passed the eye test for me. I uh, love how physical they are. That defensive line is awesome. Huntley, I don't know where you'd rank him among the quarterbacks Utah's had over the years, but he's just really developed into a big-time playmaker. And if they get into the playoff, they won't, they won't totally deserve it, in my opinion. You know, and I, I think despite the schedule, I wish they had maybe gone out of conference and, and gotten a big game they can maybe have in the bank right now but you know if they get in the playoff like I, I think they it would be an interesting matchup with them against either LSU or uh, Ohio State I'd, I'd love to see it catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing well. The Pac-12 title game looms. Are you going to tell us it's another game, or does it actually feel different? Oh, it feels different. Any championship game feels different. I don't think there's any secret about that. and It is uh, definitely a different feel than the regular season. And so... Uh, you know, positive is our, a lot of our guys have been here before, so it's not new to them like it was last year. So that's a little bit of a, a, uh, a you know, advantage for us. But, uh, you know, we've got a good team in Oregon that we're facing and, and uh, a lot of weapons, and so we got to be at our best. The things that I've noticed this season that I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, and I'll set it up, is usually when guys are pro material like a Jalen Johnson, they tend to go. You know, the Devils had Harry last year, Benjamin's talking about going, and they don't come back. You not only got one player, you got like four or five players to come back. I mean, is it your wife's brownies, or how in the heck did you (laughs) pull that off? 
Yeah, that was that was unique because you're exactly right. There was four or five guys that uh, had a strong case for for possibly entering the draft, and I think each one individually did their homework the right way, talked to the right people, um, and ultimately made the right decision. They all came back. I believe all of their stock has risen. Uh, you know what the guys were talking about in that group, and they've all got their degree now, and and uh, so a lot of positives. You know, but there is risk coming back. There's no doubt about it. But but uh, hopefully we you know continue down this path of uh, them having a great experience and, and uh, like I said, putting themselves in better position. So it was very predictable that some of these guys, you know, Zach Moss is having a big year. Well, no kidding. But you have been helped by some guys that the fan base didn't know much about. Did you know, for instance, Brand Keith was going to end up being such a difference maker here in the in the final third of the season? Well, we thought he had the talent. We knew, you know, we saw it last year. He flashed last year uh, at times, and and uh, really credit Andy Ludwig for uh, getting Brant in the right spots and and featuring him in the offense the way he has and playing to his strengths. Because because Brant's a tough matchup in space. He runs exceptionally well. No linebacker can cover him. That's that's a given. And a lot of safety struggle with him. And so uh, to say that we saw this type of production coming and we knew it would happen, no. But we knew that he had the skill set that. Uh, you know, he was going to be a playmaker for us. Yeah, you just said it in that answer to Keithy. Scally's getting a lot of run as a top assistant coach, and I'm fine with that. I don't personally like him, but I'm okay with him getting the publicity. <laughs> but I think the biggest addition to your ball club this year, your program, has been Andy Ludwig because I think he's been absolutely sensational. He has, and, and uh, not only Brad Keithy, but Tyler Huntley. That's been the biggest impact is, is the year that Tyler has had. And, and if you want to have a chance to be a championship team, you have got to have great play at the quarterback position. There's a rare, rare exceptions to that. And, and Tyler is having as good a year as as possible. I mean, he's, he's been terrific for us. He's been a great leader for us. And just a complete, uh, you know, he's just a different person this year. And, it, and it's great to see that happen. 75.5% completion percentage. You've coached for a long time. You've got a lot of friends who've coached. How many coaches have had that luxury of a quarterback and a passing game that are that efficient? Very, very few. And you talk about the other things, you know, in addition to that completion percentage is his yards per attempt, which is a is a really critical stat in the throw game. You gotta be you know, you gotta have a good yards per attempt if your offense you know, on offense and defense that's something you look at to try to limit. And then you look at his uh touchdown to interception ratio, which is off the charts and and uh, you know, the only thing he's not doing is throwing for three or four hundred a game just because we don't throw the ball that much, but but uh, he is as efficient of a quarterback as there is in the country right now when we do throw. So with all these guys coming back, the one thing that, not the one thing, but thing that you've emphasized and your players have emphasized, and, and I'm kind of a cynical dude, but since I've been around your program for a number of years, I see it's really true. And that family aspect of it, I don't know, it's because we're in a smaller place as opposed to some of these Pac-12 teams that are in these major metropolitan areas, much bigger than when we are. I don't know if that contributes it for whatever the reason is with this family atmosphere. But I think part of the reason that all these guys came back and said no, to the NFL is because they enjoyed that family atmosphere that you are responsible for creating and cultivating. How much do you think that can? How much do you think I'm right in that the family atmosphere? And then something that you can pitch to recruits is, guys, man, we we got something different here. Well, I would say it was a big part of their decisions, and and each of them mentioned that as well. You know, when I when I had the chance to sit down with them, and and that culture is something we've worked hard at for for a lot of years, and and uh, what it boils down to is our guys genuinely love each other and love to be around each other. It's a it is a family, it is a, a you know a brotherhood, I guess you could say, and uh, that's something that makes coaching these guys very gratifying. I mean, you don't want to. It's tough to coach a bunch of individuals and guys that are fragmented, and uh, fortunately for us, we're blessed. You know, here at University of Utah, where that's not the case, and our guys really care about each other. Like I said, and and uh, they're great teammates, and they're unselfish. So, what do you do to foster that and make sure that you know California guys don't hang with California guys, and that you know guys don't hang by by race or by uh, grade level? You know, the seniors are good to the freshmen and all that. I mean, how do you how do you what do you do intentionally that manages that? Well, first of all, it it's almost self-perpetuating. I mean, guys come into the program, the new guys, and we have a saying here that you will become us. We won't become you. You'll become us. And that's that's uh, something that the guys learn very quickly here is we have a way of doing things and a, and a way about our football team that, that uh, is how it's going to be. And they 
they uh, you know they just join in and and away we go. We're also uh, you know in my opinion one of our main strengths is the diversity on this football team. We're in our opinion the most diverse team in America. We have almost exactly uh, one third African American, one third Polynesian, one third Caucasian. I don't think there's any team in the country that has that blend like we do. And then you got the religious backgrounds, and we got religious backgrounds from from uh, you know all different uh, religions. And then we also have the age difference. You know, we have 18 year old freshmen and 25 year old returned missionary seniors, and so we've got the whole spectrum of players here. I don't want you to give away game plan, but Sewell, you mentioned him as on the offensive line, considered by many to be the best offensive lineman in the country. You didn't play him last year when they came in the Rice Eccles because he had an injury. Obviously, he'll be on the field in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, how do you handle that from a defensive perspective? football player there's no doubt about it and and you're right there's a, a lot of people's opinion, a lot of people's opinion that uh, know a lot about football believe he might be the best offensive lineman in the country he's yet to give up a sack this year i think he's only given up seven hurries which that's an, you know that's uh, just almost unheard of you have that type of a year when you're talking a 12 game season and and uh, but i can say this you know we've got some pretty good guys up front of our own and uh, Bradley and I, that'll be a great matchup when Bradley goes against uh, Sewell or whether it's Mika Tafua. And, and I think that might be the the uh, most intriguing matchup in this game going in is, is the Oregon offensive line against the Utah defensive line. There's rain in the forecast. If it really comes down and is a major factor, how does that change the game? Well, it could change depending on how, how much rain you get, but the bigger f- factor, uh, DJ, might be the wind. You know, there's 17 to 18 mile an hour winds projected, and uh, that has more of an impact on what you do offensively than rain does typically, unless it's just a torrential downpour. And so we'll just have to see, but typically that means the run game becomes accentuated, and, you know, the team that runs the football better is most likely going to have the better chance to win. How good does it feel to remain undefeated in your 60s? It feels great so far. It's been about a week, but but so far, so good. (laughs) Yeah. And he thinks I like crazy stats. (laughs) I brought it up in Tucson, but I didn't bring it up the other night, so I thought I should bring it up now. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. one game later. I guess we're 2-0 now. Yeah, you're 2-0, man. You're rolling. That's good. Let's keep it going. You got that wisdom finally. That's right. All right, Coach, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Okay, guys. Great being with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Kyle Whittingham right there. Uh, He mentions the yards per attempt, PK. Tyler Huntley, 11.1 yards. Is that that good? That is beyond good. That is some type of excellent uh, fantabulous. Uh, Hertz and Tonga-Vailoa are the two guys who get more. Even Barrows at 10.9. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa 11.3, and Jalen Hurts leads the country at 11.7. I mean, that is elite. It's like you drop back to pass, you're picking up 10 or 11 yards. You don't need to know much about football to know how awesome that is. I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback in all this time of watching college football who has improved from his first year as a starter, which in his case would be a sophomore year, to where he is now. The transformation of Tyler Huntley has just been absolutely remarkable, and and you have to give credit to the young man for sure. But Ludwig, as I said in my questions to Kyle, deserves a ton of credit. And the thing that I love about Ludwig is that he was adamant right from spring ball, I will put the plays on the table that Tyler will not have to worry about running because I'll make sure this is the play. There will be no decision. And he was so emphatic about he's going to be a quarterback, not this runner dude where he ends up with 10 more carries in any given game than Zach Moss. And we haven't seen that. Uh, Ludwig from the spring called his shot. And he has delivered to the utmost. And again, the credit needs to go to Huntley for being able to execute it. But the improvement that Tyler Huntley has made has just been so amazing to me. And and I have to admit, I was not the biggest Huntley fan based on the work that I had seen. And then you see this year, and you have to be a fan. You You have to pay him, as far as his playing ability, the utmost respect. Because his play has been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he started to improve, and Kyle talked about this on one Tuesday media session probably a month ago. Uh, you could see things starting to click for him once he got past that 10th start or so. His last four starts before he got hurt last year were great. You could see it coming. But this is a level above that, and I think in addition to 
praising him and praising the offensive coordinator. I think you got to praise that whole receiver group because none of them get treated like a star. They get one or two chances a game to make an impact. They have really minimized the drops and they've also maximized the big plays, whether it's going and getting a 50-50 ball or, and this is one area they've really excelled at, and it's why his yards per attempt are so high. They The, the passing game's now designed, the guys are executing it, they're running for yards after they catch the ball. It seemed like there were years where that never happened, and if they did complete the pass, the guy was tackled immediately. And now, oh, I like how you said that very fast. Almost like a mental image. Exactly. <laughs> and now you're routinely seeing guys catching, and they're making a play, and then they're running for the yards after the catch. And who doesn't love Yak? Yeah, I mean, I do, but to me, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And, okay. And, but it's been and that's so good long. enough. Yeah. It's been that's so great. long since they had a receiver okay. group that did that. So so they went from sucking to getting where they're supposed to be. Yep. And uh, but they had to improve too. Huntley. Well, they just needed to get where they were supposed to be, which yep. is improving. I grant you. But Huntley has not just improved. I he has I, taken it up twenty five notches. Quantum leap forward. Yeah. Yes. And I don't. I don't think I really believed in him even though four and deal in October last year. Because if I remember correctly, they didn't beat anybody. They they played teams with losing records, and not that they've beat a ton of teams this year, but, but they've they, at least beat teams that are they seven have and beat, five. Yes, they right. have, and he has been absolutely brilliant. And I would suspect that he's going to continue that against Oregon. I have no reason to think otherwise, based on eleven games. And and he's making all the right decisions. And Ludwig has been creative in his play calling with a number of different ways to get playmakers the ball. See, that's where I think that the receivers have been some of their best work has been on fly sweeps. And Keithy, you know, he's a, yep. he's not a traditional tight end coming out of the backfield. That's where they, and they haven't had the drops. No, uh, Samson Nakua has had a brilliant season. I think yep. that he where he was and where he is now, and, and good for them is that he's a junior. And Thompson has shown a little bit like he's ready to break out. We're still waiting, waiting, waiting because he's got all the uh, measurables for sure. You look at him and you look at a kid like Devin Lloyd on the defense, you think, wow, they were blessed with the phenomenal attributes to be able to go succeed. And they all have. So, yes, you have to credit the receivers. But to me, it's Huntley and Ludwig, the way they've been working together has just been the difference. The defense, once those guys came back, Fotu and Anai and Blackman, they were going to be really good. Now, there's been some other guys who've stepped up and waited their turn, and they've become good. A kid like Burgess jumps to mind big mm-hmm. time. I expected Bernard to play well. Uh, he had to yes. bide his time because they had some seniors ahead of him. But he's but played it, really well. It, it, he's been which is zero field. surprise. Right, especially behind that D-line. Yeah. I've always thought their linebackers should be bigger stars than they were, and it's really happening these last couple of years. Yeah, he, to me, he's an NFL kid and so they were fortunate enough to be able to get him and he's plugged the hole that they needed that's to, he's not a surprise but the, the play of Tyler Huntley is the number one surprise in my mind he should be offensive player of the year for the 2019 uh, Pac-12 season and I and I'm I don't have a vote I would vote Jalen Johnson which normally they don't give it to a DB it tends to be a lineman or a linebacker uh, I think Brad, Bradley and I, I've got no problem with that. Yeah. Or I, 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 to me, I would go Fotu a little bit above uh, an eye. Could, could be Fotu has to take up all the bodies. Yeah, uh, but Jalen Johnson, you go look at what Brandon Ayuk has done at ASU. He has been really, really good. Look what he did against Oregon, and then look what he did against the, uh, the Utes. Absolutely nothing. Now, a lot of that was the pressure that Anai and Foto are putting on Jaden Daniels. I understand that, but he still did nothing, and in large degree, it was because of Jalen Johnson, and Kyle has talked about many times over, well, you got half the field you don't have to worry about so much with Jalen. I don't think he'll get it, but I would give it to him, and then to me, Huntley should be a slam dunk. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Joe Ingles. That's right, Kyle Whittingham and Joe Ingles back-to-back. Yach is in there just flexing. He's crushing it with the guests. He's crushing it. Joe Ingles next. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah. This 
is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. DJ and PK, we turn the reins now over to Joe Ingles for the Joe Ingles Show. And we're just along for the ride. Joe, good morning. <laughs> good morning. How you doing? It's good to be on your show this morning, Joe. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. <laughs> so this will shock you not at all that we put some stuff up on social media after the uh, loss to the Lakers about what's wrong with the Jazz. And a lot of people have a lot of opinions. And some of them probably have a portion of the truth. Some of them might have a good portion of the truth. But, you know, inevitably as media and as fans – we see it differently. We don't get to see practices. We don't get to hear halftime talks. There's interaction between players. There's stuff we don't know and we can't know. I'm sure you were bugged driving home after the, uh, the loss to the Lakers. When, when you're driving in the car and you're just going home and you're thinking about, man, if we could just, we can't change everything all at once. If we could just change one thing, it would start making things better. You know, fix one thing, then fix another. What does your brain go to right away? Oh, I would. Mean, Probably be a two-hour show if we had to uh, <laughs> had to go through it all. But um, yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, I, there was a couple of us that were—I didn't leave the gym until about eleven o'clock. I think we were sitting there and trying to. I mean, like you said, you're not going to solve it all. Um, sitting there after the game or at halftime or pre-game. Um, but I think there's obviously some some things that we. Yeah, I think, like you said, there's there's some more obvious things on court stuff that we just need to um, sit down and or not even sit down go out go out and practice and, and, and figure it out watch film um, little things that we can control we, we can always run back on defense we can communicate on, on both ends of the floor offense and defense and um, I think a few of those key kind of components that we've always usually been kind of pretty good at um, is just lacking a little bit and um, obviously, that's resulting in the, the way we're playing. And um, I mean, it's it's one of the. Uh, I think I said it last week. We we're finding your way and trying to figure it out. We we do have new guys, and, and I mean, I'm not going to say that every week because people will think it's just an excuse. But it does. It's always going to take time. And um, like I said, I'm definitely not not making any excuses for, for how we've been playing. Um, kind of those last, however many three, four, five games, whatever it is. Um, but we've been putting ourselves in, in horrible positions, being down 20. Um, some of the games we've been, um, it's like it's woken us up and we've, we've played well in the second half or a third quarter or whatever it is and got ourselves back in the game. And um, I mean, even last night, I think we started the game reasonably well. We, we were down kind of for whatever, four or five at quarter time. And um, it's kind of like we fell off a cliff after that. It just went, went all downhill. So, um yeah, today will be um, a good day for us to, to get in and practice and watch film and um, kind of get back to some basics of what we need to do to to be the team that we, we know we can be and that we've showed this year at, at different times. How much of it is mental versus physical? Uh, I mean, probably, I mean, bits and power, I don't know what percentage it is, um, but definitely a bit of both I think I mean there was times I know I know I, I know I mean everyone knows of a bit of emotion on court but I think I even got caught showing some bad emotion you, you get drained by um, things happening continuously and there were certain parts in the game that we we are usually really good at or, or things that we um, usually do really well that we're, we're just draining because we um we practice it. We, we do it every day, and then for it to still happen, and, and and not just last night. It's obviously kind of over that period of, of games that we haven't played to the to the level that we we should be playing at. Um, it's draining, and 
you, you've got to um, get to the next play, as coach would always kind of say. Is, is if you miss a miss a shot, turnover, whatever it is, we, we've got to get to the next play and, and focus on that. And I think we've we've struggled with that. We haven't got to the next play, and it's kind of snowballed into three or four, five, six possessions instead of being one. Um, and I was getting a great shot or getting a, a stop defensively and trying to kind of fix it and turn it around as soon as possible until uh, instead of it snowballing like it kind of has. You know, obviously the defensive numbers have, have been much worse than they were. They were really good there for the first 15 games of the season. And yeah. if I watch it, I think, well, you know, it's and there are times there's bad defense, but also I feel like the defense is put in a really bad spot. You're in transition a lot. The turnover numbers seem to be up, and it's not always the same player. It doesn't always be the, seem to be the same situation. The only constant seems to be, my gosh, you're getting back in transition and the numbers are against you, and that's always going to sink the defensive stats. What can you do to cut down on turnovers as a group? Yeah, I think it's um, it's been a huge thing. I think and tying in with with turnovers, I think is um, not necessarily kind of bad shots, but but shots where we're not in a position to to get back. So when you're not expecting it, or um, we've got late in the shot clock because we haven't been able to execute what we're trying to do, and and that as silly as it kind of sounds, but that goes back to what I was saying with like. If they get a bucket or we, we have a breakdown, we, we don't inbound the ball quickly, we don't push the ball up, and then we get stuck in a bad possession. We either, like you said, have a turnover or maybe we miss a shot that goes awkwardly off the rim or something like that, and then we're, we're five on three or it's four on two or whatever it is. And um, I mean, coaching defensive transition defense is, is something that we control. We can, we can all turn our shoulders and run back. That's everyone can do that. Coach can do it. You you guys can do that. Anyone can do that. So um the turnovers have been uh, I don't know the numbers or anything. I, I know they're high. I know they've been high for, for some games. I know the games that we haven't had them we've uh, played a lot better, obviously. Um, and I think of that some of the some of the turnovers come from um like we've talked about before, we have an unselfish team. We we try to move the ball and um I think we're always going to have more turnovers than other teams because of the way we play. Um, and some of them are just bad turnovers. And they're the ones that really hurt you when you, like I said, when you're not in a position to get back, um, when it's a pass or a shot or um, a, a possession that's just ugly. And, and that's the ones that hurt you because then you've got LeBron coming full steam, four on two or whatever it is, which is uh, a pretty impossible task. So, um, like uh, it goes to little things, our passing, making sure we have accurate passes, making sure we're in the right position, offensively making sure we're spaced in the right spot so that if I do throw it to Donovan, someone's not standing next to him or the, the big's not in, whatever the, I mean, we could we could name a million different uh, scenarios, but um, like a few little things like that, better passes, spacing, uh, will we'll really turn our, or we'll put our turnovers down. How much does it bug you? Because it really bugged me just to watch a tatted up Dwight Howard hit a three and then run down the floor all laughing and smiling. That got under my skin, Joe. Yeah, it really pisses me off. It, little things like that. And then them dancing on the baseline. I think, I'm not sure what quarter it was, but LeBron drove one time and shot a left-handed floater or whatever it was. And and that's, a, that's where it gets to the point of like, as a team, you've got to man up and um, I could use some other very uh, explicit words, which I'm not allowed to. But um, at that point, like the not that they're trying to embarrass you because they're having fun, they're, they're playing well, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean you can't fault them for that. We have fun too, and we're we're playing well and, and up um, up twenty points or whatever. But as a team that's, that, that that's happening to, you want to make a stand. You want to. Um, do what you have to do to, to stop that and, and obviously for us that starts from the start of the game of, of coming out the right way and, and playing a lot better not having turnovers taking good shots playing defence which we've been consistently over the six years I've been here been really good at so um, I, I think one of the best things obviously we always talk about getting to play pretty soon we have um, a game on whatever it is Saturday at the moment um, coming up, but we we really haven't had any practices, which uh, for, for 
a team that plays the way we play and haven't been able to practice. I think these next two days is going to be really good for us to to get in the gym and, and watch film and, and actually get out there and practice together and um, have two days of that. Cause we, I don't think you guys are probably know better than me. I don't know if we've had that all year this year so far. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to these next couple of days and I think we'll, we'll be able to be able to get some really good stuff done and come out on Saturday and, and put out a lot better performance, which which everyone deserves, especially obviously our, our fans that um, spend a lot of money to come and come and watch us play. So we've talked about bringing the you know the the whole team's got to come together. There's a lot of new guys and it's a process and all that. And and fans as they you know tweet at us and hit Facebook up and social media and all that stuff, they'll say you know we've been through this before. Here we go again. Why do these stretches keep happening? I'm thinking well for ten new players they haven't kept happening. They haven't heard. Quinn's voice. It's funny how a lot of things Quinn says kind of echoes what Jerry Sloan said for years. For fans, this is all saying in nature, but how much do you think with a new team, with 10 new guys, you have to go through this a little bit and the key is just keeping it to a little bit and not letting it snowball and if you start winning again, this stuff will just fade into the into the background, but you know, you got to pass through the fire I don't know, whatever the analogy is. I wish I were a better writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's uh, and it's funny, like obviously the fans get frustrated by it and um, on the flip side of that if if they think they're frustrated how do they, I would love to know how they think we feel about it because like I said we we know I guess the responsibility we have to, to come out and like I said the, the fans are unbelievable here and they, they pay a lot of money and they come and watch us play um, and that's on us there's no like there's no excuses there's no we, we've got to put out better performances and um, like you said, I think that kind of connectivity of the group is um, is always going to keep getting better because we do have guys, we've got guys that care, we've got guys that want to win basketball games. Um, but I also, on the flip side of that, I can see how and why they get frustrated because it's, um, it's frustrating to play sometimes when you're playing that way. Um, but, I mean, don't get me wrong at all, there's, there's not and not one person in our fifteen guys in our two ways in our jury team that isn't um, busting our ass every day at practice and training in film and getting treatment and Mike's in here been in here all day getting treatment yesterday to make sure you can kinda of get out there as soon as possible. So in every aspect of the of the game and and all that I, I don't want to to feel like we're um I don't know, taking it for granted or, or anything like that because because everyone um, I can tell you firsthand and that's there's no lie to it that everyone's obviously busting their ass and and, and trying to get a win and trying to make us or get us playing at the level that we know we, we, we play at we we sit in the locker room talking about it we sit at practice talking about it we sit in the film room talking about it and um, obviously at some point it's got to translate and and that's on the players and um, even even Quinn it's like it's Quinn can only do so much. At some point, the players have to stand up and um, whatever scheme we're doing defensively is, is nail that and, and be really good at it. And what he wants to do offensively, we've got to get to that and, and do that really well as well. And um, yeah, there's, there's, like I said, there's no excuses and that's on the players and, and we've, got to, we've got to get out there and do it. We saw late in that Toronto game, the Joe Ingles that we've seen the last few years really uh, basically take over the Jazz offense and you know, you're know you assisting, you're scoring, you're doing what you do and uh, you fill up the box score very well. Uh, what was going on there? You think we'll see more of it? Um, I think as funny as it sounds and silly maybe as it sounds, it's, it's the same thing as of us getting connected. I, I, um, I probably hadn't had the ball in my hands that much um, this year. Um, but with obviously with Mike going out and um, there was just a couple more opportunities and I was obviously able to, to kind of take advantage of it, try to be aggressive. Um, it's not like I kind of haven't tried to do that other games, but we just kind of figure it out. Um, for me personally, yeah, I've just got to, when I do have those opportunities, if it's, if it's in that pick and roll with Rudy or whatever it is, playing point guard a little bit in that game because of, because um, of Mike being out, is, is take the opportunity and, and be really good. Um, I, I know I can play at a high level. I know I haven't been playing at a high level. 
a few stretches um, this year. And um, again, it's like what I said before, it's if, if people don't think we're, we're frustrated and, and as annoyed as they are, um, they're crazy because we, we spend so much time and um, I guess effort on, on trying to be the best players we can. And um, it's frustrating for us as well. It's frustrating when you get an open three or whatever it is and you miss it. It's frustrating when you bust the ass at defense and you, something happens and they get a layup or whatever it is. So, um, me personally and, and the other person of us, we've all got to kind of dig in right now and, um, yeah, try and get some stuff rolling because we, we don't want, like you said before, we don't want it to snowball into seven, eight, nine, ten games. I think we've got a good opportunity here on, on Saturday after a couple of good days practice and um, today's kind of the first day we get to, to wake up and um, reflect on it and watch film and, and go out and practice and I think um, having these two days will be, be really good for our group. Well, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. And tell Boyan he's turning into a meme on uh, social media. His palm's up. Is anybody else seeing LeBron just walking with the ball? That seems to, uh, that seems to have resonated a little bit with people watching the NBA. I got a, he got a little yeah, mileage I'm, out of that. I'm not allowed to comment on the referees because I'll yeah. get in big, big trouble. But, uh, that was more tell Boyan that he's a star. And you don't have to comment on the rest. I'll, I'll let him know. He's a star. I mean, yeah. he's a star regardless. But that... Uh, it probably bumps him up a few more notches because he'll, uh, he'll be on that forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, thanks, Joe. We appreciate it. No worries at all. Thanks, guys. There's Joe Ingles joining us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. But Giannis' reaction was priceless. Like, am I the only one who saw that? Did you see that? Actually, someone, I've been trying to find it, but it's been buried in my uh, social media now, uh, Reverence. PK, somebody did the total uh, media take on it. NBA viewership down among, down among referees, my column, and it's linked to that video. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it's a bad look. I mean, it's, it's wide open there for everyone to see. And the thing that I liked about it is Bogdanovich obviously is clued in. Yeah. And so there could be all sorts of stuff going. There could be a fire right around him, and he's got no idea because he's just focusing on trying to guard LeBron, which is as tough as can possibly be. And so he notices it right away. But I like the fact that he's just completely in the moment and concentrating, and then he looks over to to his left there like, come on, man, didn't you just see that? And it, it really is a bad look because now with social media, you can identify that stuff. The star treatment and the fact that things aren't called the way they should and it doesn't look good for the NBA they've got to get the referees now to be in in the moment I think there was one that was it last year where James Harden take like five steps yeah. and ends up two feet out of bounds <laughs> and they don't call it and you just can't have that type of stuff yeah he was being guarded by Rubio and he shot a step back three and boy he just he walked all over the place and and you're right with social media that stuff lives forever even people who don't watch the game are like oh yeah look at that and star treatment Right. Then, well, then it turns into like buffoon wrestling or something. And yeah. the game is tough enough to referee. No one's saying that it isn't. But when there's stuff like that that's completely and totally obvious, it's got to be accounted for. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.